Hi, I'm Pat Kelly with K&K Land Service of Brazoria, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello Texas, glad to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up. We'll kick the heater on and try to stay warm in this cold Texas weather as we ride around the Lone Star State to cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've gotten word of a new hemp processing facility being planned for the Texas Panhandle. We'll have more on when and where we could possibly see this built coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A big rebound in corn prices is not the best of news for those in the cattle feeding business. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Maximizing crop profits under limited water using models to find solutions. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have results of a study conducted in the Texas High Plains on Texas Ag Today. Lots of cottonseed meetings going on across the rolling plains right now. The interesting thing is that the main discussion at the cotton meetings seems to turn to wheat. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A new industrial hemp processing facility for Texas is in the works, with plans to build it in the panhandle town of Dumas. Kyle Huttenlocker is with hemp processor Environmental Living Industries. He says Dumas is the ideal location to build this type of processing plant. So when we look at the map, Texas, in terms of policy and some of the geopolitical things going on, the Department of Ag has recognized that this is a big deal and that they want to get involved in it. So Texas was a clear winner. And then the decision is, okay, where in Texas makes the most sense? Because of the geographical location of the Dumas area and just all the agriculture that goes on up there, it really makes it a perfect spot for us. Huttenlocker says ELI is planning to spend $30 million to build the plant, which will employ about 25 to 30 people. He also hopes the facility will attract other hemp companies to locate in the Dumas area. The Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo kicks off next week. The Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is celebrating a major milestone this year, its 90th anniversary. Dr. Chris Bowman, HLSR president and CEO, said this year's event will include livestock and horse shows, the rodeo, concerts, a carnival, and plenty of other events to celebrate 90 years. I think what you can expect is what we've always tried to do, which is provide a family-friendly atmosphere for people from the community and across the state to, to come and visit us and have a good time and learn a little bit about agriculture and celebrate Western heritage. We know it's been a while since we've done our normal show, and so our biggest point and key over the last years we've been planning is to make sure we don't lose what uh, we know works. And so there's certainly going to be a lot of what we're used to, and hopefully everybody has a great time while they're here. The Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo runs February 28th through March 20th at NRG Park in Houston. 
For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The sheep market has been excellent here in Texas so far this year, but will the ongoing drought start to weigh on the market? Benny Cox with Producers Livestock in San Angelo says we may start to see some big numbers at the auction like we did this time last year. That in itself may be an issue. You know, we, we advertise Tuesday sheep sales, Wednesday if necessary. And last year we had six or seven of them before we started getting rain in, in, in May. So I hope it's not going to be a repeat. February can be a good weather month for us. Um, you know, we're not wanting that to that storm we had last year where it got so cold. Hopefully, you know, we're kind of past that. Cox says the traditional lamb market struggles a bit during the first few weeks of a new year, but the ethnic market like we have here in Texas will remain strong. A big rebound in corn prices is not the best of news for the cattle feeding business. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. In recent trading in the cash market, Texas High Plains feed yards have been able to get right around $1.42 a pound for their fed cattle. But Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says don't assume big profits are being made. That 142 is a very good price, normally, is what I would say. We don't see fats trading at 142 very often, but even at a 142 price, because of all the input costs, we're seeing that profit be in that about even to maybe making $50 on animals coming out of the feed yard. And so just because we're seeing the best prices we've seen for a very long time doesn't mean that the industry is profitable. What's happened here is largely the result of a reversal in the corn market over the past couple months. Back in December, with corn prices down below $6 a bushel, profits of 100 to maybe even $150 a head on a cash basis were being recorded by area feed yards. But now corn is back up around $6.5 or so, which is kind of a downer for feed yards. High corn prices, man, it will suck all the profitability out of an animal. Corn is one of the major input costs for feed yards, and the other one is the feeder cattle they purchase to replace the ones they're selling. And Miller says the cost of those replacements is also on the rise, so market projections for the months ahead indicate profitability will be much harder to achieve. Today, coming out of the feed yard, like I said, on average, these animals are making a little bit of money. They're in the black. The problem is replacing one of these animals, because when you go in to replace these animals, you're looking about a $100 loss. So today, you're doing okay. Tomorrow, you're going to have to work at it to get these animals to be profitable. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A collaborative study shows how to maximize crop profits when there's limited water availability. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the study. In a collaborative work between the Agricultural Research Service, Soil and Water Management Research, the University of Castilla-La Mancha in Spain, West Texas A&M University, and Texas A&M AgriLife, Researchers have adapted a crop model for use in the Texas High Plains to simulate crop water use and corn yield. The model is designed to help producers adjust center pivot irrigation strategies and maximize profitability with limited water. Farmers in this semi-arid region of the Texas High Plains largely depend on groundwater irrigation. Each season, crop producers in the region evaluate how much land area could be irrigated under the pivot with limited water. Producers must consider reducing irrigated areas, which influences grain yield, input cost, and the timing of the irrigation applications. To help farmers with these decisions, researchers completed a study that uses 25 years of climactic data to simulate corn production using a range of irrigation capacities to evaluate water allocation strategies that could increase profitability and improve the efficient use of water. 
The model showed that for irrigation capacities representative of the region and a growing season with an average rainfall, maximum profitability was achieved by irrigating about 75% of entire pivot area with the remaining area in fallow or dryland cotton. Concentrating water generated greater net returns because of lower seed and fertilizer costs and greater corn yields that compensated for lack of production in fallow areas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are lots of farm meetings being held across the rolling plains of Texas right now, but Barry Mahler says the subject of those meetings seems to always come around to wheat. There are a number of cottonseed meetings going on across the rolling plains over the last few weeks. It's a good opportunity for the various seed companies to discuss the results of last year's crop and how their particular varieties performed in a given region. It's also a good place to get an update from farmers as to where we are in the current cropping season. Even though it's considered a cottonseed meeting, when you get a group of farmers together, the discussion usually covers cotton, wheat, and cattle, and right now, wheat is in the spotlight. The good news in the wheat industry is that the market is still strong, with cash wheat still bringing over $8 here in Texas, and forward contract prices a little lower than that, kind of in the 725 to 740 range. And Of course, remember, that can change not only day by day, but hour by hour. Even though it's lower than the current cash price, it's still a good number. One of the problems that the farmers are facing now is that this crop is very uncertain with the drought expanding across the plains. It's not usually a good idea to forward price a bunch of bushels that may not be raised as the shortage will tend to drive the price higher and the farmer will not be able to deliver. Of course, if we had the crystal ball to accurately predict prices, this would be a lot simpler. But if you had that, then there wouldn't be much need to raise a crop as a good living could be made just trading the board. So to try to have some indication of where the market might head, you look to reports such as the USDA World Agriculture Supply and Demand Estimates those were released in late January. Now, that stocks-to-use ratio in January was estimated to be 35.6% compared to the previous year's ratio at 39.6, and the current lower ratio supports a higher price for wheat. Now, if higher prices are possible, then there's no incentive to price wheat early. Now, a lot can happen between now and harvest. And one of the agronomists in the meeting said we need a miracle march here on the rolling plains to finish a wheat crop that's suffering from dry weather and weather is one factor that can change the price very quickly. Even with increased acres planted, the crop still needs water, and it needs it soon. So what does all this mean? Well, I guess you could sum it up like we've done many times in the past. The market might go higher, but it might not. And we could raise a big crop, but maybe not. And here lots of folks think this farming business is easy. Just plant the seed and wait for the check. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. A popular program described as quail boot camp for adults is back. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And is caffeine a good treatment for highly stressed newborn calves? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that question coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas veterinary students, the Texas Farm Bureau wants to help you complete your degree. This year, the Texas Farm Bureau is offering four $10,000 scholarships to second and third year veterinary students in a professional DVM program in Texas. 
Applicants must plan to enter a rural or food animal practice in Texas after finishing their degree. Applications are due March 1st. For more information, visit texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. When you have newborn calves in this type of weather we're having right now, you'll look for anything to help those calves get a good start. And some folks have tried caffeine to give those calves a kickstart. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at this type of treatment. Caffeine has been used to stimulate calves born from a difficult birth, calves that are cold due to a low environmental temperature, or calves that are stressed. Dr. Zach Jansen indicates at Drovers.com that over 40 years ago it was discovered that caffeine could be used in human infants to stimulate respiration, increase heart rate, and improve circulation. Healthy lungs are obviously critical in the young animal as it switches from the mother's blood supply to breathing on its own. Current research on caffeine in human infants indicates immediate treatment within 48 hours after birth is the most successful, and infants receiving caffeine had fewer cases of cerebral palsy and improvement of motor skills. All of this suggests caffeine may have a neuroprotective effect on the nervous system. For calves, it is recommended to give a loading dose and then a maintenance dose over several weeks to months. The initial dosage given to a 70-pound calf would be about the same as the dose for an adult human, and this seems to be a very safe dose. However, it is important to use a commercial caffeine formulation for calves rather than the supplement packs of caffeine sold at the corner store. Caffeine administration in human infants has been proven to be safe and effective and should provide anti-inflammatory effects and reduce brain cell death. It also improves lung function, reduces inflammation, and increases heart contractility and blood pressure. Concentrated green tea may be the best oral source of caffeine for calves. You could use coffee, but it would require a large volume and might prevent the calf from getting needed nutrients. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A popular program described as a quail boot camp for adults is back. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. After a brief hiatus, a popular program that helps Texans learn more about quail, their habitat, and management is back. Dr. Dale Rollins, Director of Outreach for the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation, joins us for more on the return of Quail Masters. Quail Masters is an adult variation of a program I started 30 years ago called Bob White Brigade. It's a short course. It's a boot camp on quail management. We found out that we could not work adults as hard as we did those 15-year-olds, so we have to spread it out over four three-day sessions. So it's a boot camp on Bob White's. Quail Masters, which is hosted by the Research Foundation and Texas Wildlife Association, includes classroom and online assignments and extensive travel. Amanda Gobley, Conservation Education Specialist for the Texas Wildlife Association, has the rundown on this year's session locations. We're going to start out in Abilene, and that'll be April 24th through 26th. Then for session two in June, we're going to be heading south to Hebronville, and there we'll get to see some very different types of quail habitat. Session three, the location for that, that's determined by the class. So basically, we'll poll our students and figure out where they want to go and what types of habitat they want to see, and we'll base our location on their feedback. And then for session four, that's also where graduation is going to take place, and we'll hold that at the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in Roby. The Quail Master's class size is limited. If you're interested, RSVP as soon as possible. On the Texas Wildlife Association webpage, search 
quailmasters2022. That website is texas-wildlife.org. That is texas-wildlife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Russia-Ukraine situation is affecting all of our agricultural markets. The grain markets are jumping higher, and that's pushing cattle prices down. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is National FFA Week, and FFA students across the country are celebrating. I'm National FFA Southern Region Vice President Eric Robinson from the state of Georgia. Many special activities are happening in FFA communities this week, but all year long, FFA members experience education, leadership, service, and personal and professional development as FFA feeds our intellectual growth and curiosity. Celebrate with us and share your FFA stories during Hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The Russia-Ukraine situation is definitely taking a toll on the agricultural markets. It's causing the grain markets to run sharply higher, and that's putting pressure on the livestock markets. We finished lower in both live and feeder cattle on Wednesday. February live cattle down 70 cents, 143.05. The April down $1.27, 144.75. June live cattle dropped 77 cents, closing at 141.12. Same story on the feeder market. March feeder cattle down $1.45 at $162.77. April feeders down $0.85, cents, $168.27. While May feeder cattle were down 85 to close at $173.67. Cash-fed cattle market still fairly quiet for the week. We had the online fed cattle exchange selling on Wednesday. None of those cattle sold on the exchange. We've seen just some scattered sales. A few cattle sold up north at 142 on a live basis. Reports of one group in Iowa selling at 145. Other than that, things have been fairly quiet so far for the week. Feedlots holding out to get 144 to 145. Boxed beef prices mixed with a very narrow spread. Choice up 97 cents, closing at 262.61. Select down 215 at 261.49. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle beller, it's time to head to Fredericksburg. Talk to Wayne Geiswide about the last cattle sale he had last week on a Wednesday. Wayne, how did it turn out? Well, we ended up with a lot on top of 800, Larry. Cattle barns are about steady. I was, it wasn't any better. In fact, I think one of the packers took off a little bit, but it was still really good. A lot of cows being in the 80s. Uh, I don't know that any 90-cent cows this week. Didn't have any that many really, really good cows either, so pretty hard to quote that kind of market when you don't have it. The bulls, uh, I think top bulls like fifteen, but there weren't many of those bulls either. Two of them, they were all pretty full. Uh, calf market there was just unbelievable. Uh, steers probably five to eight dollars higher than last week. The heifers really did a big move toward what the steers were bringing. They might have been ten or fifteen dollars higher. They might have been some of them higher than that. So uh, the steers, a lot of four hundred pound steers, bring two to two twenty. Three weights up to two forty. Five weights up to two dollars. Six weights up all close to one eighty. The heifer made three weights. Didn't have any really fancy three weights. Most of those that we did have bring. 180, though. 185, four weights, 
lots of those good four weights spring 175 to 185 with a few up right on top of two dollars five weights a couple weeks ago they're bringing in the 40s uh yesterday most of them bring, or today they're most of them bringing in the 66 weights up in the low 150 they just had a, quite a big move toward what the steers were bringing we've been needing that for a long time first half of sale the quality was really good toward the end we kind of slacked off a little bit we'll talk to either you or sean sunday night and see what the weekend has brought in the meantime tell folks how to get a hold of you And neighbor, we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day to you. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs dropped lower. We've seen such a big run-up in this hog market over the last couple of weeks. It finally took a breather on Wednesday, and we dropped lower with April down 4.05, closing at 108.02. May hogs down $3.00. 11265. Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby February milk up 3 at 2092 100 weight. March milk down 16 at 2230 100. The cotton market finished higher. Once again, those Russia Ukraine fears continuing to weigh over the market. Bullish South American weather and, of course, inflation all adding up to a higher cotton market on Wednesday. May cotton up 101 points, 12130. The October up 92 points at 106.80, December up 82 at 102.48. Same factors affecting corn and wheat. March corn up nine cents, 6.83 and three quarters. New crop September corn up seven and three quarters at 6.28 and three quarters. The wheat market especially strong in Wednesday's trade. Kansas City wheat topping nine dollars for the first time in about ten years. July Kansas City wheat up 29 and three quarters. To close at 916 and a quarter. Soft wheat in Chicago up 31 and a quarter on the new crop July at 878 and three quarters. In the energy markets, March natural gas up eight cents, 458. April crude oil down three at 9188 a barrel. The financial markets dropping lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 464 points at 33,132. The Nasdaq down 344 points, 13,037, while the S&P was dropping 79 at 4,225. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope we see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.